Well, welcome and thank you for joining us for Open Life Online today. I'm excited to continue on in our series established and today we're going to be talking about grief and loss. And uh, But this series establishes we're really looking at how everything we are, our identities, our actions, and our emotions need to be rooted in Jesus. And basically this is establishing our entire faith with Jesus. And so Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. And so last week that hit on four temptations of worldly discipleship that we need to be honest about and address in our lives so that we can be committed to biblical discipleship, committed to following Jesus in the way that he lived in a biblical way. And so one of the temptations though that can often get us sidetracked is this uh, thing called avoidance of suffering. And so many times we'd rather take the easy way out of those times of suffering rather than face it head on and experience the suffering that might be involved with that. And so one of the ways that our culture tries to avoid suffering is specifically related related to grief and loss. And uh, it's important for us to talk about this specifically because it's so tempting when when we feel moments of loss and have a grief process to come out of it, how we need to address those uh, really in step-by-step. And many people have written about this. And one of the most famous um, people that wrote about stages of grief was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her book on death and dying. And so she talks about the five stages of grief. And they're very common. You probably heard them before, but just to go over them quickly, they're number one, denial. Number two, anger. Number three, bargaining four, depression, and then finally five, acceptance. And so maybe you are familiar with those things. Maybe you've gone through a loss and have gone through the grief process and you've experienced those things. But later on, another author added to those uh, five stages and his name's David Kessler and he expands on these ideas and adds a sixth stage called meaning. It's like to find meaning out of the grief that you've been having. And so I we've talked about these at Open Life. I've talked about them before. I'm gonna talk more about my story later, but what's important to remember is that these stages of grief aren't linear. It's not like you go through level one, level two, and they're just, you know, sequential from there. No, these things often happen multiple, they're like layered together where you're going through three stages at the, at the same time. And so, these, uh, like I like to call them phases, can overlap and happen on top of each other. And so none of them sound especially, you know, appealing to go through. And so this is why we try and avoid suffering when it comes to us. But our response to loss in our lives and how we process grief will often show how we are choosing to be established in our faith in Jesus. It reminds me of when Jesus says this about the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. He says this in explaining it to the disciples. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. And so when we experience loss, I like to think of it as a worry of life. Like we all worry about what we might lose and the grief that comes out of that. That's a worry of life that can crowd out our faith and really lead to us not having any fruit in our lives. And so the truth is at one point or another, 
we're all going to face a loss that's going to cause us to grieve, that's going to cause us to mourn, that it will cause suffering in our own lives. And, and these causes of grief are wide-ranging. There's death of a child, a premature death of a loved one, a disability, a divorce, emotional or sexual abuse, long-term illness, infertility, the loss of a dream, suicide, being betrayed by a friend or a loved one. The list can go on and on, and I'm sure you yourself have felt lost in your life and have had to grieve because of it. And so can I ask you to be vulnerable with God and yourself right now and identify a moment of loss in your own life? Because this is going to help us think about this process we're going to walk through today. Uh, we all have a moment. And so as you're thinking of yours, I'm going to share mine. You know, six years ago, my mom was diagnosed with an incurable form of brain cancer. And eight month, 18 months later, nearly five years ago, she passed away. And it was this just quick process in my family's life that really turned us upside down. And uh, some of you all know this, like if you've been at Open Life for a long time, you kind of know the process. You've seen me go through all the stages of grief. And uh, some of you are new though, and you don't know this about me. And so I want to talk to you today about grief from a place of someone who's gone through it before. And so, but I can un unequivocally say that that time period of my life, specifically those 18 months and really even from then until now, uh, has been some of the lowest points of my life. The deepest feelings of loss, the deepest grief that I've ever felt. And so uh, when we take these moments in our lives, we're going to be looking at how we can uh, find treasures in the midst of our grief and loss. And that sounds weird and it sounds different, so stick with me. But that's our big idea today, is that with Jesus, we can find treasures buried in grief and loss. And so I think I should probably just come out and say right up front that if you are in the midst of a loss right now, um, and you're concurrently dealing with grief and you're like asking, you're hearing the question of me asking you to process that and you're hearing a big idea about how there's treasures buried in grief and loss, that can probably be some sort of offense to you it, or just something that you do not want to hear right now. And, and I even think like five years ago, if someone came up to me and said, I'm so sorry you're going through this, but I'm sure you're just experiencing treasures out of your grief and loss. I would like go crazy. I would want to slap them and I would just feel this tension inside of me. And so today, if you're in amidst of that, even for all of us, I think all of us for over the last year have probably experienced some form of loss because of how our world was turned upside down due to COVID and the grief that has come from that. And so today's going to be about just choosing to identify a way to process when we are in those moments. And so I understand if you're in the middle of it and how this might not be appealing to you, but I just want to encourage you stick with me through the course of today's message. And so uh, I think it's important for us to realize that being established in Jesus and being committed to the way of Jesus is going to affect the way that we process grief and loss. And that's really what I'm trying to get at today. Is just like that last week when we looked at some biblical ways 
to look at discipleship and not look at discipleship the way the world would say how we need to be successful or we need to impress people. There's going to be ways that we process grief and loss in a way that does it with Jesus. And it's going to be different than what the culture would say to do. And so again, similar to the five stages of grief before, we're going to talk about three phases uh, how we can process grief and loss with Jesus. And so again, these aren't a sequential thing necessarily, but they're things that can come and move on top of one another. And so phase one, we want to talk first about we have space to feel our pain. And so one of the core learnings that we're trying to unpack in this established series that is that we need to learn to feel our feelings and be honest about them. We can't deny what's going inside of us when we experience a loss. We can't shove it under the rug. We can't put it away and bottle it up and package it and send it out for delivery. We uh, often, for numerous reasons, we feel something uh, that's surprising or different inside of us when we're going through loss and we feel like we have to get rid of it. But instead, I think Jesus calls us to be honest with ourselves uh, about what we're feeling in the midst of these moments. P Peter Scazzaro says it like this in his book. He says, our society has trained us well to pay attention to success, but not to loss and pain. And yet loss demands to be grieved and the pain cries out to be felt. In order to keep these feelings at bay, we develop a variety of coping strategies, many of which take the form of substance abuse. That substance could be almost anything, work, movies, drugs, alcohol, shopping, food, busyness, sexual escapades, unhealthy relational attachments, even serving at church, as long as it redirects our attention away from whatever painful reality we might be facing. And so I'm certainly not perfect at this. I've dealt with my own forms. Like he said, that's a long list of ways we try and cope in the midst of our uh, grieving process. And so I'm not perfect at this, but I found that it's much better to be honest with myself and with close friends and say, you know what? I am angry about this. I, you know, today I had this memory and it made me really sad. It's important for us to acknowledge the feelings that are coming inside of us when things happen in our lives that remind us of a loss or remind us of grief in our lives. Because when we do this, I believe that in that moment, we're able to take an edge off of our pain. We are able to also let others be aware of the pain that we're walking through. And in Christian community, this is what's great, is that we hopefully provide a small opportunity to let our needs be met by others. And it's important for us to do that. In order, we need to have space to feel our pain. And Jesus had his own pain. And he took time and he took the space to address it. In Luke 22, 42 through 44, we read about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's about to be crucified. And just listen to what is being said here. It says, Father, this is Jesus. He says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. It doesn't really sound like Jesus was just bottling things up 
and choosing a coping mechanism to get through it. No, he was being honest with God about what he was feeling and he chose to feel the feelings that he had in that moment. He had space for his pain. The author of Hebrews writes in verse 570, he says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Again, space for pain to be expressed. It's important that we give ourselves space and know that God gives us space because Jesus himself had space for his pain to express himself. And so what happens so many times though is that when we bury our feelings, we actually inflict pain, more pain on ourselves and on others. A person, I've found that a person with hidden anger is still going to be angry usually with those that they are closest to without ever taking responsibility for it and being unapproachable to even address it. Even when we self-medicate, it's tempting to think that that's a decision just between me and what I'm choosing to do. But that's the exact opposite of what actually happens is because I'm actually in the end going to hurt myself more. And in the end, if those coping mechanisms have negative consequences because it changes who I am, then it's going to have negative consequences for the people that I have relationship with, my family, my close friends, my community. And so what happens is when we do that, when we stuff things under the rug, when we cope on our own without letting anyone else in and without being honest of our pain, we actually, out of our grief and loss, we become grief and loss for other people. And so instead, we need to use the space available to us to feel pain, to be honest about our feelings. And so a couple of questions. Are we okay with admitting when we have moments of loss or when we're disappointed? We need to be okay with that and be honest about that. Are we committed to being a church where we allow people space for their pain? And so again, this isn't excusing people for the things they do to self-medicate, but are we at least open and gracious enough to let people be honest and say, you know what, I have felt something this week that has just really brought up uh, feelings of anger or hurt because of a past loss. It's important for us to be a place that's open and honest and willing to walk with people through their pain, to provide spaces for pain. So this leads us to phase two, though, is that we we have this waiting in the middle of our suffering. The loss that causes grief will often happen in an instant. But grief that comes as a result of that loss will will not end as quickly as it started. Grief is a process. And so even though we are tempted to avoid, avoid the pain involved, we have to realize that it takes time to walk through what we're walking through and that we're not alone in this journey. If your goal is to have this grief end as quickly as possible and you're willing to take shortcuts in it, oftentimes you're just going to prolong the most hard parts of the grief process. Think of just a few people who had to wait in scripture. You know, in Genesis, we have the stories of Noah, of Abraham and Sarah, of Joseph, all who had to wait a long time for God's plan to be revealed to them out of their moments of loss and disappointment. 
We also have the story of Moses, who waited for 40 years before uh, being called to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, and then 40 more years to lead them to the promised land. Hannah, the mother of Samuel, who was the priest that anointed David, she had to wait a long time in order for her to have the blessing of a son. Elizabeth, in the New Testament, uh, had to wait a terribly long time to become pregnant and give birth to John the Baptist. Even when we read about the disciples in their waiting period between not just the cross and the resurrection, but even to the time when the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to them, as we read in Acts 2, they had to sit and wait and be okay with the waiting. And so when we wait in the midst of our suffering, we are putting the fruits of the Spirit of God that's alive inside of us to work. Those fruits are love, joy, peace, and patience. And that patience is not just for a quick moment, but that patience often is involved with long suffering of just saying, I'm going to wait in the middle of this and walk with God through it and with the community that he has placed around me. And so it's a patience, it's a patience that's not only sufficient to meet us in our grief, but it's one that trains us so that we are trained to wait for God until we're, we're with him once again. And so look how James explains patience in James 5. He says this in verse 7 through 11. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. And so again, we see another story pointed back in scripture of Job who had much to grieve and who had much to process, waiting with great endurance in the middle of his own suffering. And so yes, James is talking about waiting for the Lord's return and we wait with patient endurance, but this should also train us as we wait in the moments of our grief and loss. And so it just reminds me when, when James is talking about uh, just how uh, farmers wait for a harvest. I was walking outside the other week and there we have this plant in our front yard that we planted uh, almost two years ago. It never bloomed. It didn't bloom last year. We could, still, we could tell it was still living, but it didn't bloom until just a couple of weeks ago. And it was just this sudden moment where we walked out the door and we saw just these beautiful white petals that were blooming there. And we're like, wow, like that's actually a plant that blooms, that has petals. It's actually pretty. It's not just this green random bush in our yard. And so as I was thinking about that, I was just reminded about how we interpret grief and loss is that in a moment, we might be hit with a moment of tragedy and then there's this grief that follows and it happens suddenly. But then the grief process happens and we don't often know when we're done grieving. But I have just found that there will be these moments just like walking out the door where you see this like beautiful petal and you're like, man, I think 
I've actually grieved and I'm not holding on to the same things that I used to. And this happened specifically for me with my mom. Uh, I was leading worship just about a month ago. And uh, during practice before service, we're singing the song, Great Are You, Lord. And at the beginning of the song, there's this lyric in the first verse that says, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken and great are you, Lord. And I remember just singing that and I just like started crying. I just like, not like bawling, but like I was crying enough where I couldn't sing and I had to like turn around and talk to the rest of the worship team and just kind of give an explanation because in that moment, I just had like, I was taken back to the time I was taking care of my mom and helping my family get through stuff and just all the different things that were involved with taking care of her. And on a playlist, I had just that song on repeat. So I listened to it numerous times. And in the moment, as I'm singing on stage just a couple of weeks ago, it was just this moment to where I just felt all these feelings all at the same time. And I was tempted to think like quickly. I was like actually wondering, I was like, man, I really thought I processed my grief pretty good, you know, especially in the last few years. You know, I can talk about my mom without crying. I can talk about even like just how hard that year and a half was to walk through. And it's no longer like, you know, wrenching in, in my inside heart and things. Of course, you know, it brings out emotions and things like that, but I, I can like actually process in a healthy way. Um, but after reflecting later on that day, I wasn't about all of those feelings and tensions arising, but actually it was this faithfulness of God that just really rose up inside of me, that just reminded me that he was with me through every part of it. And that it actually is true when I can stand up and sing a song like that and actually attest and testify to everyone there that God does give hope and he will restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. And so this happens even years later. And it just reminded me of walking out the front door and it's a plant that you're not expecting to ever bloom. And then suddenly there's this just beautiful petal. And that's what happens with our grief sometimes is that once we get to this next phase, the third phase, is that we're letting the old turn into new, but we just don't have a timetable for it. Sometimes it happens early, sometimes it happens later, and sometimes it happens multiple times. But we need to understand that the old will turn into new. When we're honest with our feelings and we make space for that pain, when we choose to be patient in the middle of it and not rushing it, but choosing to actually walk through it and wait in that awkward middle, old things are going to turn into new. And it's here that we begin to find those treasures that we're talking about, that we can find with Jesus out of our grief and suffering, the treasures buried inside of that. And it's just not, again, it's not that God puts us in these moments of tragedy so that we can just be, find these treasures. No, it's that God is walking with us through these tragedies when they arrive in our lives. And so it's him like helping us sift through the dirt and through this process of just sifting to find some little pieces of gold or it's that diamond in the rough idea. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and verse 4 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. 
again, oftentimes our grief process will not end in a moment, but we're talking about seasons. Some of the new realities that we get to experience, some of the new things that come out of old is one, we get to know God in a deeper way. I can personally attest to this. I, there's certain times where I just feel so deeply in tune with God because of the process that I've gone through with uh, just the loss of my mom and the grief that I've had to process coming out of that. This relationship is not based on God ruling over me or me trying to dictate my own life over God. No, it's a personal knowledge that God is with me in my life working for the good. The second thing is that we get to become more like Christ. And I really feel like this is true, is that you can tell someone who's gone through something, if they're a follower of Jesus, you just see that they've lived life in a deeper way when they process grief and loss in their own lives. They just look more like Jesus. You can tell it because they're gracious, because they have been received grace from others and help from others. They're quick to serve and just be there for people. Those who have been able to endure through phases of grief with Jesus have a practical faith that's been tested in the fire, that's been worked out in the testing ground, like in the laboratory of our lives, and they have just shown who Jesus is. And then finally, thirdly, one of the new things that comes out of old is that we get to be a blessing to those who are now going through their own times of grief and loss. And so in a year where there's been a lot of that, of just things, moments that have sent us spiraling to figure out life and to figure out that grieving process, like we've had to change plans. We've had to go through like life transitions, job transitions, and like friendship transitions. Like we need to be people that are quick to help people through their own grief of loss by giving them space to feel their pain and by giving them time to walk through the process. That's the only way we're going to get to see those old things turn to new. We don't want to be people that are stuck in their grief from a moment because they've chosen to self-medicate with alcohol or other substances or other relationships that aren't Christ because then they are just not becoming who God wants them to be. And they're not stripping off the false things and being who God has created them to be. We need to be a place that allows that process to happen. And so our action point today is that we would choose to experience our own grief and loss with Jesus. And this is going to be personally applicable for any person, depending on where they're at with that. Everyone here is going to be on their own journey related to grief and loss. We all have unique circumstances, unique relationships. The past year has affected each of us differently. And so I'm not here to tell you, you have to be experiencing grief or you have to be experiencing loss because something happened. But I know that that's the human experience. And eventually, one time or another, you're going to need to walk through this with Jesus and with other people. And so being honest in those things, do we need to actually feel our feelings with the space that Christ has given us? Have we ever chosen to just feel what God has put into our heart? Do we need to realize that loss 
uh, happens in an instant, but grief might happen on a season. Like just to wait in that awkward middle until from the tragedy, until we come to that moment where it's just like, God, I'm feeling like I'm getting out of this. And then finally, do we need to begin to let the old turn into new? Finding those little flower petals that just bloom and you weren't expecting it. So that's what I want you to do is choose to experience that grief and loss that you might be feeling with Jesus today. And so I just want to encourage you with a simple tool that we have in scripture, and that is to just read through the Psalms on a regular basis. Many of these Psalms are Psalms of lament, and they're just honest expressions of the author, just questioning and crying out to God about the situation and the season that they were in. So many of these cries are people who are going through their own loss and grief and working out how to process it. And there's not always a quick resolution and there's not always a quick fix. And it's just this process of being honest with our feelings, taking the time to wait, and then eventually seeing the new that comes out of old. And so to end our time today, I want to read the first few verses out of Psalm 22. And part of which I hope you recognize as Jesus's prayer when he was on the cross in a moment where he was dealing with his own loss and his grief about what was going on. And so we we're going to read that and I'm going to pray. And I just ask that you would be honest with yourself. And in the, even in this series, just to come back next week and just have these as little things like tool belt or tools you're adding to your tool belt on how we can establish our faith in him no matter what season we are going through. So I'm going to read Psalm 22 and then I'm going to pray. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. And God, I just pray right now for anyone watching online today, if they're going through grief and loss, I pray that we could be as honest as the psalmist here and just offer up our pain to you and say, be honest with what we're feeling. If we're angry about something, if we're sad about something, I pray, Lord, that through prayer, we would offer those things up to you. I also pray that we would be bold enough and courageous enough to find other followers of Jesus, to be honest about these things with God, that we would create this community of people who are honest about what is going on and honest about what we're feeling so that in the middle we can wait together, but ultimately so we can find new that can come out of these old situations. So God, you're gonna work out this for each person individually, but I also pray that you would work these things out for our church. In a year of so much loss, so much grief, 
through things that have been going on, I pray that we would be a community that is committed to walking through this, to be so established in you that we are a place that stands firm in our faith in you and that we would be just like posts that people could hold on to as they process their own loss and grief and suffering. May we not run from suffering, but may we be bold and courageous to walk through it with you. And I just pray for that for all of our people here today. In your name, amen. So I hope you're encouraged by this. I hope you just continue to join with us for this established series as we begin to talk about more ways that we can be established in him.